Welcome to the Scribes of Summer, the Athletics Dodgers podcast. I'm Pedro Mora, joined as always by Andy McCullough. Andy, how are you doing? Pedro, if I were any better, I'd be you. <laughs> wow, wow. Um, Andy, we have a lot to talk about. Do sort we? Of. Yeah, sort of, sort of. <laughs> not really, but let's yeah. pretend. Yeah, we, we kind of, actually, we have some things to talk about. We've had episodes with less to talk about. <laughs> that no one can say that about this show, that we have had too many episodes with too much to talk about. It's true. It's true. No one can say that. So the draft happened. Major League Baseball had a draft. Shorter draft than ever before. And we're here to talk about that a bit. In regards to the draft, because of the uh, lack of attention paid to it, we thought we'd play a little game where we'd name players who were picked in the draft. Just name them <laughs> just, as a sort of round robin. Just, yeah. just can you name a player? Who got yeah, drafted? Who was, who was drafted? Last in week. an earlier edition of trying to record this podcast, we each named one player. Andy named the first overall pick, Spencer Torkelson, and I named a man who was drafted fairly high, Emerson Hancock, who I believe pitches. Andy, would you like to take it from there? Yes, I will. And I'm going to take a, a great name. I'm not sure if he's a good ball player, but uh, some team believes in him. His name is Zach Veen. Zach Veen. Okay. Yeah, great all time spoonerism, especially. Given the current <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Climate. All right, I'm gonna take a. I'm gonna take a, a man named Nick Bitsko. Ah, oh, yeah. Shoot. Oh, uh, the the shortstop from Vanderbilt, Austin Martin. Yes. I'm gonna take a, a player that you profiled, Garrett Mitchell. Oh no, I should. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hurting myself here. I he's a he's a very nice young man. Uh, yeah, I liked your story. It was, uh, thanks. Yeah, he seemed I, like a thoughtful kid. I hung out with him for a little while in December. Uh, he's a UCLA uh, outfielder. Um, you know, kind of a five-tool player who hasn't come into his power just yet, but he's a type 1 diabetic. Uh, he offered me the uh, the candies he uses uh, to sort of uh, up his blood sugar in times of need. Very good candies. They're uh, Black Forest uh, cherry gummies. I would recommend them if you want some candy. Why did you hang out with him in December? I think I was just looking for something to write. It was kind of in a weird zone where, like, there wasn't a lot going on. And, you know, like, teams hadn't really started spending yet, so I was just kind of kicking around some ideas and he's got an interesting backstory you know with this health stuff he's dealt with and he was kind of like he's a guy who probably got really got cost not having a full season because I think a lot of teams wanted to see you know if his power was there and he didn't really get a chance to show it so it's, mm-hmm. it was the sort of thing where like he could have been you know like a, a late first round pick or he could have been like a top 10 pick you know was a guy who kind of had a, a lot on the line this year so that was yeah. the initial thought and then uh we were gonna run it maybe in like you know mid-march or something and then other stuff happened in mid-march so yeah well fortuitous timing which you've not always had on your reporting (laughs) of late right i mean i've I've had more stories fall (laughs) apart for hilarious reasons i think than than anyone else at this company i have to say anyway it's my pick i'm gonna go with ed howard the infielder taken by the chicago cubs all right i'm gonna go with pete crow armstrong a local ah, good one great story in the athletic by molly knight about him he's a harvard westlake kid very very fun uh story on him are you gonna take the kid that the dodgers drafted you said you don't remember his name so I i'm going to uh so I why would i why would i use first that? name but i don't know <laughs> all right i'm gonna take i'm gonna take his college teammate who the angels took reed detmers this might actually go longer than i thought we should probably speed it up or something i think maybe we should institute a new rule that you have to know the position or something i don't know i actually right. know more than i realized yeah i got the six dodgers picks locked down oh well that's not uh, fair 
Yeah, I'm going to go with a pitcher, Bobby Miller, the Dodgers' first That's overall. That's the kid they took. First choice, from uh, who was Detmers' teammate from Louisville. And he's a Marty Lamb guy as well? Yeah, the Dodgers' top two picks were Marty Lamb signees. Marty Lamb has been Dodgers' employee for more than 20 years through a bunch of regimes. But uh, under, under the uh, Andrew Friedman <laughs> regime, he's, he's had a number of top selections, starting with <laughs> their first pick, uh, Walker Buehler, who you might know, who was a very... Good choice, pretty late in the first round, the type of player that, you know, they were extremely lucky to get, but also took advantage of because he was hurt his uh, his junior season. And Marty Lamb sensed that and recommended the player anyway. Got to know Bueller. Had, had scouted him since high school in Lexington. Lamb himself lives just outside Lexington. So they had, he had known and observed Bueller for a long time. And since then, he's scouted uh, Will Smith, catcher who's uh, skyrocketed to the big league. Another high Dodgers pick who did not sign, Kyle Funkhauser. Caleb Ferguson, who they got real late in the draft and has turned, oh, in, yeah. turned into a big leaguer at 21. <laughs> Lil Ferg. Uh, the, the official pitcher of this podcast. Yes, Lil Ferg. And uh, he also has uh, drafted Matt Bay real late yeah. in the draft, turned into a big leaguer. Um, they have a couple outfielders, Zach Rex and Luke Rayleigh, likely 40-man guys he signed and scouted as well. So the uh, the track record of success there is ridiculous, and he also selected the Dodgers' second pick, who I'm going to name, I think, if I can remember his <laughs> name. Yeah, I can. Yeah. I think. Real quick, I was just wondering, you know, I was thinking about Bueller dropping in the draft. Do you think that the industry botched that one, or the, did the Dodgers just do a really good job basically sticking with him, knowing that there was going to be a surgery in his future um i think it's a little bit of both i think the dodgers were smart you look at his track record and it's like this guy was pitching at one of the best baseball schools in the country and he you know even in his junior year he had a 295 era 88 innings struck out more dudes in innings like yeah it's, I mean, it's his numbers like he was sophomore were really were good, too. Outrageous. I mean, he yeah, was a top yeah. five candidate after sophomore uh-huh. year. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know why you wouldn't, I guess, other than the body, which has, you know, historically been his thing, is that he's, he's just not a large person. Um, right. But he uses his, uh, you know, he's studied how to maximize his body. And um, mm-hmm. that's been successful for him since, you know, before his freshman year in college. Mm-hmm. So I don't think a player like that would any more last until the 24th overall pick in a draft. I don't think yeah. we're ever going to see a guy with that sort of track record who, who reaches that velocity. Right. If you have a sub three ERA at the, at, you know, in the top conference in college sports and you're striking out a bunch of people and you're throwing 95 plus with regularity, I don't see how you, you fall that far. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. I was just curious your take on that. Also, I'm out of draft picks, I think. Good. Because I didn't have that many more, actually. The Royals took a guy named Asa, but I don't remember his last name. Oh, that's how you pronounce that? I, I think. I don't Asa. know. Asa. It's possible it's yeah. AC, ASA. Oh, the, I know the second overall pick because he has a name that's hard to pronounce too. I don't know if it's Heston or Heston. Kirstad? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Um, Why go to Keith Law's podcast when you can get this sort of draft analysis? Yeah. Do you have any takeaways about the uh, shortened draft? We can agree that it's a disservice to the sport for Major League Baseball to act the way that it did and and shorten the draft to five rounds and force any players undrafted to take $20,000 or less. Yeah. I mean, of all the short-sighted decisions made by ownership in Major League Baseball during the pandemic, this is one of them, I would say. Um, this is also one that feels like it has kind of the the least tangible benefit and the le- like. I just don't get it. Why is the draft shorter this year? Yeah, it, um, when, it <laughs> just wh- save money. I think it's just save right. money. That's, That's it. It's just it's yeah. just, a, it's just a, right. Okay. It doesn't even save that much money, and it obviously yeah. affects the lives of a lot of people who've been looking forward to this day and working towards this day yeah. for a long time. So. And it just and it also it poisons the well with how many players are going to be faced with the same decision that. Kyler Murray had and are going to take the baseball route. 
And maybe that was a lost cause to begin with. Maybe that baseball was always going to be losing those. But like when you see the way that they treat the minor leaguers and the non-unionized baseball players, I mean, like they're just going to lose talent out because of this talent is going to be lost and it's going to be, you know, a net negative for the sport in order to save rounding errors, you know, essentially in, in dollars for the owners now. So exactly. Yeah. And one thing I think I lost in the shuffle a bit is that I believe, and I'm not sure if this has been absolutely finalized, but next year's draft is also likely to be significantly shortened. I think it's going to be 20 rounds, which only makes it worse because JC kids and whatnot, people, you know, the the tough decisions, it's not as if next year it's going to suddenly go back to normal. Right. And I think it's fair to question, you know, with the new CBA, like whether or not there will ever be a normal, like the draft that we used to think of as normal again. Yeah. And so this is, yeah, I think this is a significant step against amateur player rights. So, and uh, yeah. and minor leaguers. So it's it's right. it's really discouraging. It's it's a hard time to be like even enjoying baseball because it seems like so much of it is causing people harm. Yeah, I mean, I think the stewards of the game are far more interested in their bottom line than the long-term health of the sport. And, you know, if you look back at baseball history, that's not an uncommon stance. It's not an uncommon setup. Mm-hmm. But I think it just, you know, at a time when the sport was bringing in record revenues last year and, you know, there was so much money flowing into the game to sort of have owners saying things like, you know, the losses will be biblical and baseball is not a profitable industry. It just, you know, it strains the limits of credulity, I think, among the public. The public who's paying attention and hasn't already just, you know, tuned this out because, frankly... You know, if this wasn't my professional sort of bailiwick, uh, I probably would have tuned this out uh, a while ago because it's just like it's mind numbing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's pause to tell you about Dugout Mugs, a company that started in a college dugout. Licensed by Major League Baseball, your favorite team laser engraved onto a birchwood baseball bat barrel mug. Perfect for the big game to put on display or to be the life of the party. Unique gift for a baseball fan. Go to dugoutmugs.com slash theathletic and use promo code MLB30 for 30% off your first purchase. That's dugoutmugs.com slash theathletic and code MLB30. Fill that baseball void with your very own dugout mug today. If anything, I think I would now go, that's your stance there is what I had been taking in previous weeks. And now that I've thought about it more and kind of heard from people who don't pay that much attention to baseball and how this has reached their consciousness, Mm -hmm. I would say that I'm starting to think that actually it could cause more harm than I realized that um, to, to the fan base. Like my yeah. father was asking me about it and he does not care about baseball. But like this right. is a thing that is is now reaching people that yeah, it's just a it's just another bad faith essentially thing to poison the well of fandom. So we'll see what we'll see what the long term consequences are. But um what are you anticipating in a um in a fifty ish game season that we are likely to see attempted by the sport? coming up um okay so are we okay so before we do are we pretending that the pandemic isn't the one in charge of this no we're not pretending okay Okay, well because you know sometimes like people say like well you know in a 50 game season like you can do this with your lineup and you can do that with your lineup and you could play on short rest all year and it's like i mean really what i think is that uh it's going to be very challenging even now to get the season off the ground based on you know the way things are going in arizona and texas and florida and i think that the sort of general trajectory of coronavirus cases is really, really troubling. And the fact that there's generally been a more or less capitulation in terms of trying to stop 
the viruses spread, I don't think that bodes well. So I don't know. I mean, you saw what happened at the University of Houston where they, you know, had to shut down uh, voluntary workouts because six players tested positive and they were symptomatic. You know, I just, I don't know. I, I, I see a disjointed season that's going to be really challenging to get off the ground based on just the, the sort of context of where the virus is, how the virus is behaving right now. So, um, yeah. in terms of actual baseball, I have, I have no, like, I, I haven't really given it a ton of thought. But w- w- mm-hmm. I don't know, where where are you at with it? I'm with you. I actually think, ironically, you know, so many people have been claiming for so long for baseball to return to provide some semblance of normalcy to the public. But I actually think that if this unfolds like we envision, I think it could be more alarming than anything else to have this unfold. Yes. I mean, if, if you're playing a season, you know, let's say if the roster has to change, if like 10, 15% of rosters are getting infected, you know, mm-hmm. so, which I think seems to me to be a reasonable outcome just based on the realities of the virus, not because of the anything inadequacies of the sports health and safety protocol. But that, seems simply, a li- that seems a little high, doesn't it? 10%? Yeah. Um, I mean, based on, I don't know. I, I so that's to... a few players per, per team. I mean, uh, the rate of infection is lighter than that, but I guess they're going to be getting tested every day which is yeah anyway sorry i'm nitpicking but um, a not insignificant number of guys are would be would be testing positive yes yeah I, I guess what i should say is that you would expect that over the course of this season if there is going to be a 50 game season we should expect that from one week to the other at times there will be significant changes to rosters forced not yeah. by not by like dfa decisions not right. by like fake dodger injuries to the pitching staff <laughs> but <laughs> But by actual infections, uh, right? So it's a totally different paradigm. Like it's not. This isn't. Gosh. It's not baseball. Like the way we've thought about it. It's. I um, just. I just had such like a pang of nostalgia for like you know Kenta Maeda faking a hamstring injury or something like that. Or yeah, you know my favorite of this category. We should have mentioned this when Stripling was on the podcast, but a few years ago, um, I think this is okay to be told. <laughs> yeah, this is in the interview. Uh, See, he had a back injury from sleeping on a bed wrong at the Ritz-Carlton in Denver. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and he was very open yeah. about the fact that the back injury occurred after sleeping on the Ritz-Carlton mattress. And um, after he told reporters about the injury, Doug Padilla, our, our, our good friend, um, asked him, um, is this fake? Like your, um, he had a fake injury that happened. I wasn't he had uh, lower lower body fatigue in 2016. Yeah, they they sent yeah, him yeah, to yeah. Arizona and said he had lower <laughs> to body preserve fatigue. his um, his innings uh, in, during his rookie season. And and Stripling yeah. just looks at Doug, and this is you know in an on the record setting. I would have my microphone, my my recorder out, and he and he just goes, no, no, no. And oh, because Doug's question was, is this like the lower body fatigue? And Stripling's like, no, no, no. That was totally fake. This is real. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what, you, what am I even going to do with that in the story? <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, I do feel yeah. pangs for that, that sort of um, the uh, frivolity, however you pronounce that, of, of, the, of the way of the sport that we used to cover. How dumb it was at times and how charming right. that also was. Yeah, the charm is going to be pretty light this year. And hey, like, look, these aren't charming times. We don't live in uh, times for frivolity, I guess. But I just feel like the general tenor of the season is going to be pretty yes. grim. I think there's going to be a lot of players who are pretty frustrated with how this has gone down, obviously. Part of the deal with the health and safety protocols is that because there has yet to be 
you know, instituted a policy of daily testing that you kind of need the players to practice some social distancing. You need them to take care. They need to kind of take extra precautions uh, in order to, you know, avoid spreading it in the event that there's a lag time between a positive test or an infection and a positive test, right? In case a couple days pass when the person's shedding the virus before they've been flagged down, essentially. And I just wonder, like, that's hard to enforce when guys are in a good mood. I just wonder if, like, if players are going to be really up for the discipline that that requires, you know? Because there is this sense of, you know, one thing that guys were saying, you know, I think Alex Wood, you know, told me this like a couple months ago. He's like, no one wants to be the guy who, you know, shuts the whole season down because he gets everyone sick. But I just sort of feel like there's just going to be a real, like, punching the clock quality, I feel like, to this year. That still could result in some really good baseball, obviously, because these are the best athletes in the world. But I I think there's just going to be a grim nature to everything that occurs in the sport that is going to make people wonder why they so badly wanted baseball to come back. It goes to the fact that this isn't going to be normalcy. It's not going to be. It's not going to be a reminder. It's going to be a reminder of how messed up everything is. It's not going to be a a reminder of the way things used to be. Absolutely won't. I just don't. I do not see that. That's always been such a ridiculous argument to me. You know, we need this because we want to feel normal again. It's like, oh, you think watching this science experiment played in in an empty stadium where no one's allowed to spit is going to make you, you know, feel, oh, I feel very normal. Like, no, it's going to feel very strange and weird. And I would really like it if they could play the season in a way that's safe and doesn't put the non-millionaire staffers at risk in a way that doesn't put hotel workers at risk in a way that doesn't lead to the spread of the virus. But it seems like the country's effectively given up on any of this. So this is just another, you know, just, this is just part of that. So it's, yeah, uh, I, I will say that yeah. there are, I mean, other than that though, things are good. There do seem to be some regions in this country that are taking it seriously. Um, you know, and I have hope for certain places and, um, but yes, I think overall I agree with you. And I, um, to your earlier posing of the question of how are players going to handle this when they're frustrated, you know, how, how seriously are they going to handle keeping each other safe? I, I don't know. And that's something certainly to be to be followed. And I, I, I question whether, you know, whether we're going to see a lot of players ask out of competition this season. I, yeah. I, I think that's something, yeah. you know, if and when there is a season imposed, I think that's focus of mine, you know, is finding out who exactly is going to play. Um, right. I would not be surprised if there are, you know, significant figures who opt out of competition. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, it's a lot to ask. I mean, you know, if you if you have serious concerns about, you know, yourself or about, you know, someone in your family or about just in general the, you know, the long-term effects of this and, you know, you've already made a chunk of money and you've already got good service time and, you know, you've already established yourself in this game and, like, why? Why, why would you do this? Like, yeah. what, like I hope that people do not feel obligated, honestly. I, I, would, I would really hope that, that players do not feel as if they have to do this by... by yeah, that's... that's that's, I mean, players do seem pretty united in the very least in, in getting their, you know, getting a, a day's pay for a day's work, you know, type thing. But I am curious to see how that translates when 5% of guys decide to stay home. I hope folks understand because like this isn't, you know, this isn't playing through like hamstring soreness. I mean, this is this is a lot serious and it has a lot, has a lot larger implications i think and that the fact that and i know i've been harping on this for you know months now but the fact that the health and safety stuff has just so continuously taken a backseat to the economics is just it's bothersome like it, it really is it's 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 bothersome and uh i i wish that was not the case on that note thank you for listening um <laughs> we'll be back uh next week with more baseball and Dodgers related content. As always, please remember to rate and subscribe and uh, you can do so at theathletic.com slash Dodger pod.